I scream, you scream, we all scream for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Nothing. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was waiting for you to ask me what I'm drinking. Me neither. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing this week. Nothing to see here. Please move along. We don't have to drink something every week. Stop pressuring us. Oh, my goodness. This got, this got real, real fast. <laughs> no, um, I actually just forgot. I was thinking I would. Uh, I got a very beautiful decanter and set of crystal glasses Ooh. from my sister for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I was actually kind of excited to like pouring myself a little scotch and bring it down. And I, I totally forgot. You know what I bought the other day? Uh, well, actually, maybe a couple months ago, I bought a little bottle of Bailey's. Ooh, and I just was looking forward to like sitting and having a glass of Bailey's on the rocks and just relaxing. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. I don't know why. So there you go, folks. We are both fantasy drinking. <laughs> That's exactly true. <laughs> I'm fantasy true. drinking my own scotch. And Veronica's fantasy drinking her own Bailey's. Hey, you know what's cute? I saw on Facebook today that today is like the five-year anniversary of, of us wrapping season two of Sword and Laser Video. Oh, my. Really? Season Something two? like that. Yeah, I think season two. Or maybe it well, was it season was one. F- it must be season one because my f- season two happened my first few months in L.A. Okay. And that was 2013. So that oh, That, that was be- five years ago. We wrapped it. In like February, though. Well, then yeah. maybe it was kicking it off. Kicking it off. Five years ago, we kicked it off. Yeah. Oh, my it was gosh. A, yeah, it's pretty good nuts, huh? Yeah, that is. So for those of you who don't know, we had a we had a uh, a video show called Sword and Laser Video. Um, there are children who've lived their whole lives not knowing that. I know. They're five years old now. And we had a lot of amazing guests on. So if you ever want to check it out, it's over on YouTube. If you look for, for Sword and Laser, uh, it was the first season was on Geek and Sundry. And the second mm-hmm. season, we crowdfunded ourselves. That's how we met Sam Sykes and Mike Cole. And we had Kevin Tad Hearn, Williams on. Gail Carriger. Uh, James S.A. Corey came on. Uh, George <sighs> R. Martin came on. This is where we've come to. When you do a podcast long enough, your podcasts just end up being you reminiscing about older versions of your podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's been over 10 years. So that's bound to happen. Actually, it's happen. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're they old. were they were commenting that we are actually now coming up on the 10 year anniversary of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We celebrated the 10 year anniversary, anniversary of the, the book club. club. Yeah. And so now February is going to be the 10 year anniversary of the audio show. So we're old AF, Tom. So That's how that in podcast years, we're basically oh. we're yeah. Ancient. But we love it. We do. Let- uh, in fact, I feel reinvigorated. So let's get going. All right, let's jump into the quick burns. Ah, uh, well, here's something that's not reinvigorated. <laughs> it's uh, never, it's not even, in, well, I guess oh. it was invigorated at one point, but it's de-invigorated. It's the Shannara Chronicles. Uh, season one was on MTV, and then they shifted it to Spike TV for season two, which puzzled me back then, but now I understand because they're going to change Spike TV into becoming the Paramount Network, which is going to be a general entertainment network instead of a men's-focused network, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Shannara Chronicles shifting there makes perfect sense unless you cancel it, which is what they just did. 
Uh, that's too bad. I mean, I never, I didn't watch it, so maybe that's part of the problem. I mean, we certainly didn't help by not watching it. You're we right. did not. We, you and I, did not help by two people not watching it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel, I feel bad. It's always sad to hear something in the genre world not succeed. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. three seasons isn't. I mean, two seasons isn't terrible. No, it's not. Uh, I, I want to make the excuse that Viacom is doing all the wrong things for cord cutters, like pulling mm-hmm. their networks off of most of the cord cutting services, including the ones I use. But I could have bought it. It's not that expensive. And if I really wanted, I, I buy seasons of the magicians even when I can watch sci-fi just because it's easier. You know, like I've I've done that before. So I got no excuse. No excuse. Well, David says, uh, rumor, this will make some people feel better. Rumor is that the blade itself is being made into a TV show or perhaps a film. Uh, this is coming to us from the, uh, the fantasy, the r slash fantasy uh, forums over on Reddit. Uh, someone named Morph18S, Morphe8s, Morphe18s. Is that Morpheus? Because it's an eight. Uh, He says, by way of background, I was walking around at night by the Sony Studios in Culver City when I looked in a window and saw what looked to be a writer's room. The blinds were... This is total hearsay, by the way. We have Mm -hmm. no proof. Oh, yeah. No. The blinds were completely open, and it was clearly visible from the sidewalk, so I felt comfortable snapping a few pictures. Okay, well, here, see... Um, It looks like storyboarding and concept art for an adaptation of the blade itself. To me, did I just discover an unannounced project? Can we look forward to a film or TV adaptation soon? So the, uh, the imager, you know, that he links to has pictures of a whiteboard. One says Glotka, Pharaoh South, (gasps) Ishri arrives, et cetera, et cetera. I just got chills. I literally just got chills. Now here's the thing. There is, I, it, it could all be true. On the other hand, I've walked around Sony Pictures at Culver City at night. I have never seen a view that looks like this. I'm not saying that I know the place by heart. This seems unlikely, though. This looks like a view of a conference room somewhere, not a view through a window. It does um, look like he's standing in a conference room. I mean, exactly. That's like that's weird. The the in the foreground. Oh no no of no, no, no no no! Okay, look into the fore foreground. There's a ledge, so he's looking down into someone's small office that then leads into a conference yeah. room. Yeah, that just doesn't seem likely. Like from what I know of walking around there, there's a lot of pillars and <laughs> big big walls to keep you out. Like I'm just I'm just not sure. Um, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying it, it absolutely could be true. It could also be true that someone went uh, to a lot of trouble to pretend like this. You know, they could have faked up this whiteboard and put up pictures and all of that. All however, right. however, all that said, that's a long way to go to fake something up. And there is also a uh, under IMDb Pro uh, from Worthead <laughs> says, I looked into this. Uh, there is a first law SF fantasy project in development with details at IMDb Pro. With mm-hmm. general access, I discovered that it's solely at the script stage with Jack Christian and DJ McPherson, presumably not the singer, listed as the writers. Uh, none have any other writing credits and neither is there a studio attached. Curious. Also, they are known to leave their blinds open. What? What? It must be them. I mean, I could have done this at my office at work and been you like, look what have. I found. It's a lot of work, though. It is That's a lot of work. The thing. Like, it's, it's pretty extensive, so... 
Well, I mean, it fits. It it is perfectly suited for an adaptation in today's climate of 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 genre fiction. I mean, oh, we are in absolutely. we are in the gritty phase right now. Who for someone sure should be working on a first yeah, law? If TV they're not series. that stupid, yeah. and Joe so, Abercrombie is being robbed, but yeah, he, it, I hope I'm fingers crossed. I'd be super excited for that. Taking the scientific method, this could be faked. Could be a misinterpretation. Maybe he's taking a picture of some board game manufacturer somewhere, right? That's that's also, yeah, a thing uh, that would be he, weird at Sony Studios, but yeah. Well, but maybe it's not at Sony Studios and he's passing mm-hmm. it off because he wants to get mm-hmm. more Reddit play, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could actually be that some off-campus office, because there are a few of those around the Sony campus that aren't behind the big walls that I'm talking about, happen to be where these guys were working, happen to have a ledge like that outside and left the blinds open, so... Who knows? Who can say? I like the the potential concept art though. There's some uh mm-hmm. that they've got photos up on on the on the wall, concept art or casting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh, by the way, I forgot to credit Thane uh for tipping us off about Viacom canceling the Shannara uh, ah. show. And uh now we must credit Trike uh for letting us know the adaptation of George R. R. Martin's Night Flyers is coming to sci-fi in the United States, and the rest of the world will get it on Netflix. There you go. That's exciting. Uh, Night Flyers is not going to take away from George R. R. Martin's duties writing Song of Ice and Fire, just so you know. He's an executive producer because he owns the intellectual property. I'm sure you're going to do a couple phone calls with him, but he's not actively involved in the show running as far mm-hmm. as this story uh, goes. But yeah, they've uh, cast Gretchen Maul as Dr. Agatha Matheson. Wow. Uh, Merlin's Ian McKen as Carl DeBrain and David Adjala as Roy Aris. Sam Strike as Thale, Teen Wolf's Maya Eshet as Lamy, Fury Road's Angus Sampson as Rowan, Jody Turner-Smith as Melantha Jurel, and uh, Brian F. O'Byrne, who you might know from The Magicians, as Augie. Who is that? Who is what? Who is Who does he play on Brian, The Magicians? Uh, Brian F. O'Byrne? Yeah. I don't know. I was doing that thing where the story says the magician's oh, Brian F. O'Byrne, okay. and I played the magic of like, and you and might know course. this guy from the magicians. And then Veronica fell for it and was oh. like, oh, who is that? And I said, I don't know. You can look him up on IMDb as fast as I can. And True. it turns out, as I'm trying to find this while I'm doing this, That's okay. uh, that he played Mayakovsky. Oh, he's Mayakovsky. Oh, My- Ma- Mayakovsky. 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 Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, George R. R. Martin may be working on on this new show as an executive producer, uh, but he won't be in the near future, at least working on Game of Thrones, because that finale, uh, thanks to a story posted by Dara Dara, uh, will not be coming this year. It will be coming in the calendar year of our Lord 2019. Yeah, and well, that doesn't even have anything to do with George Martin. Per I know. Se. I just, it's, I was trying to segue. Okay, I was no, trying good. to segue. It, was it wasn't great because it made it sound like he wasn't going to be involved with the final se- season. So Which, that was poor. It was poorly would. done. I'll, right. I'll cop to that. I'll co- I All tried. Right. I, I can't do the segues the way I Tom can. I was just can. trying to clarify to people. Well, that's understandable because it was a bad <laughs> segue. <laughs> I was trying to clarify people uh, <laughs> that the delay has to do with the fact that they're just really want to take their time to do it right Mm -hmm. and that these episodes are going to be like 90 minutes long 
And also, I've I've heard some quotes from the actors being like, "There's going to be tons of false endings, like false flag endings. Mm-hmm. Like they like they've been told some of what's happening. I think some people know what's real, or maybe they've been told something they think is real. There's so yeah. much like they devious shot deception, fake scenes, yeah. so that if you see something and mm-hmm. you leak it, you don't know if it's real. Like." There's a scene where Cersei kills Daenerys. There's a scene where Jon Snow kills Daenerys. There's a scene where Larry Hagman kills Daenerys. Oh, it's not real. No, because that's uh, that's what they did with Who Shot J.R. though. With Mm -hmm. Who Shot J.R. they actually filmed scenes with multiple people shooting him. Uh, Who Shot J.R. kids ask your parents. But these, uh, these comments are great. Best comment. Man, who's writing this final season? George R. R. Martin. Best response. Low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I'm not happy about having to wait, but I'm happy that they're going to do it right. Do it right. Gotta yeah. do it right. And- it takes time to do it right. It takes time to bake a delicious Game of Thrones pie finale for our delicious Game of Thrones feast that we've had for these past many years. Benioff and Weiss uh, doing all the episodes too. Sweet. Oh, it's going to be great. It'll be great when it happens. Well, now it is time for Bury Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, We got this note from Dave W., who says, Hi, Tom and Veronica. Love your show, which I found by looking through the long list of last year's Hugo nominations for other worthy podcasts to listen to. Thank you. This is why you all should nominate us. Also because we'd like to win. We would eventually... Sometime in our lives, like to win. Uh, he says in your podcast 314, uh, you speculated on the opening of Frankenstein being influenced by Moby Dick. That seems really unlikely unless Mary Shelley had a time machine since Moby Dick wasn't published until 1851. Nice try, though. Uh, Dave wins <laughs> best correction email. Yeah. He was not the only one to say no, this. Some no. of pe- some people said it very uncharitably, uh, and 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 used words like shame. <gasps> shame! You got shame belled. I got shamed. I got I got Moby Dick shamed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. At least you didn't get Moby Dick picked. <laughs> you got Moby Dick picked on. Uh, listen, folks, we don't <laughs> claim to never make mistakes. So be like Dave W. and have a little bit of a sense of humor when you correct us, because we will be wrong again. He did Guaranteed. say, he did, though, say, nice try, though. Nice try, though. I mean, nice. that's okay. I'm fine with that. Especially after the sort of like, let's yeah, time machine. I don't know. It seems unlikely. Like that. Mm-hmm. That, that was funny. Right. That was yeah. funny. I know. Right. Like I so, just had to do that voice. I, sometimes <laughs> when I read emails where I get corrected on things, it just goes. That's like my new, well, actually, voice. Would you like some vocal burger with that vocal fry? I got fry. I. I <laughs> wow. Don't hurt yourself. That's that's not good for your throat. Is it? I think that. This means Mary Shelley got ripped off by Herman Melville. Mm, all right. We are rewriting history. Or it means a certain type of story was very popular back then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> One of uh, the more two. on that later, actually. More yeah, on that later. Actually, that's a good point. Um, we had this other great forum thread um, about uh, this. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a thing. I skipped a thing. It's about... This is a. Uh, I skipped a thing. <laughs> 
Um, I thought this post was especially uh, good for the two of us because it covers it just it it fits well. Um, This is from Joe Informatico, who says this is a weird but interesting story from about two years ago. So apologies if this has come up already. In 1974, Philip K. Dick wrote a letter to the FBI accusing Stanislaw Lem of heading up a communist conspiracy among the American science fiction community. Ironically, Joe says, PKD was the only American SF author Lem had any respect for. And so I read this story, and it is bananas. Because it it's so Philip K. Dick, and it's so Stanislaw Lem, in in both respects, that it, you have to read this entire piece. It's a little bit long, so I don't want to dig into it too much. But essentially, Philip K. Dick wrote a letter to the FBI saying that not only was Stanislaw Lem a member of the Communist Party and trying to like fit in propaganda into the science fiction he was writing and trying to like recruit other people into the Communist Party, but that he wasn't one person. He was a committee that was posing as an author. So he was essentially a an amalgamation of multiple people, Communist Party members who were writing in different voices and different styles and language to to come together to appear as a popular science fiction author. I mean, that's a, that's a Philip K. Dick story right there. Like, that's classic Philip K. Dick. Yeah. If anybody doesn't know... Obviously, if you've read any Philip K. Dick, you know he was paranoid and thought about the nature of identity a lot and what it means, who you are and to be a, a person. And a heavy, heavy drug user. Well, okay. Yeah, and I was going to get to that. He also <laughs> – that I was talking about his fiction. In his yes. real life, he was extraordinarily paranoid. Uh, he believed that aliens were communicating with him. He believed that the FBI was after him. Uh, and it's hard to say whether the drug use – caused the paranoia or fed the paranoia mm-hmm. uh he was definitely self-medicating uh and uh and so this is not surprising at all but the scenario that he describes is also a stanislav lem novel right well a yeah stanislav it's... lem would write a story where a popular science fiction author didn't turn out to be actually be this actually one author, but was written by a committee, and that committee would be seriously bureaucratic and have a hard time getting totally. the stories done. And totally. like that's so Lem. So I loved that, and then also I, I you know, Stanislaw Lem was not a member of the Communist Party, and, and in fact had gotten in trouble um, for speaking out against the Communist Party. Uh, although I guess maybe he'd want you to think that I don't know, but he had like a ton of disdain for American science fiction and would say things like, "Oh, they're just like space cowboy stories. Like they're not legit. They don't. They're not coming up with any interesting new ideas. They're just you know they're pulp." He was essentially calling all American science fiction pulp, and they actually inaugurated him into the science fiction writers of America's uh, bleh, science fiction writers of America uh, to give him like you know, a to be cool, to be like, hey, you know, you're not American science fiction author, but we think you're great. And he they they took it back. Seventy percent of the of the membership voted to to take that honor back because he was so rude about it. it was like, I don't want this. And so there's just all this crazy stuff in this article that I think you guys will really enjoy. Uh side note, Electric Dreams, all based on Philip K. Dick short stories, premiered on Amazon last week. Oh I'm about halfway through it. Because it's pretty intense, uh, it's uh, it's most often just des- described as as a, a Amazon's Black Mirror, um, whereas 
Black Mirror is an anthology science fiction story uh, or a series based on what technology might do to us. Mm. These are just based on Philip K. Dick short stories. So they're they're all about, you know, the nature of reality and what's real mm-hmm. and who are we and what is our identity uh, and everything. But I'm really enjoying them. There's, there was one with Steve Buscemi who was great, but the story, I didn't think they adapted it as well as they could have. Uh, the, the, that one let me down a tiny bit. It was still pretty good. The rest of them have been gems. And, you know, they got Brian Cranston, uh, great cast. Mm, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, check I didn't realize well. that it aired. So. Yeah, it just, just began this past weekend. Very cool. Well, it is the middle of the month, so I thought we could hop in a little bit into discussion of Frankenstein uh, by Mary Shelley. Um, we will have a wrap-up on the 31st of this month, so we won't get too spoilery. Uh, but I did want to talk about one post uh, that I read over on Goodreads uh, that I thought was pretty funny and and pretty true. This does have to deal with the creation of the monster. So if you want to be completely unspoiled about the creation, which does happen pretty early in the book itself, then maybe maybe skip to the end or, or skip until next week when you're finished. Wait, there's um, a monster? Great. You spoiled that. Great. Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to open up this Goodreads post. My internet is being all kinds of fun tonight. You want me to read it? No, I got it. Um, So Anne says, uh, this was the first time I read Frankenstein. I didn't notice until now how little I knew about the actual story. I haven't seen any of the movie adaptations, so my knowledge was all popular tropes and, as we say in German, dangerous half-knowledge. I was mostly surprised as to how quickly the actual experiment was over. It felt like, and then everything worked and holy shit, what a monster. F it, dude. I'm out of here. Yeah. You like how I censored myself on one swear word, but not the other. Anyway, this is Veronica talking, not Anne. Um, I was prepared, Anne says, for a detailed description and a lot of building up of what I thought was one of the most important scenes of the book. And that was over so fast. All in all, there were a lot of things that were different than I expected. And that made me realize how present the Frankenstein story is in modern culture, but at the same time, how widely it diverges from the actual book. Uh, Anyone else had similar or completely different thoughts while reading the book? Were you aware of what the story was before? Or what were the things that surprised you about the original story? Yeah, and we actually alluded to this very thing that Anne's talking about on the last show uh, mm-hmm. in, in in more vague terms that, you know, there's the moment when the monster is created and it's just like, well, there you go. You know, there's no tension. There's no lightning around it. But it made me realize, you know. <laughs> no lightning about it. No lightning around it. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, that's the classic <laughs> movie trope, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. As the lightning comes down and they throw the switch and all of that. Uh, and and I think it, it is... It, I think that's one of the beautiful things about Frankenstein is that you can argue on the merits of this book alone that this is a science fiction story before we knew what that meant. It's purely on the things we talked about last episode about how she is using using actual science or what was still referred to as natural philosophy uh, as the basis for things. It's not magic. It's not made up. It's not waved away too much. I mean, she waves away like the methods and procedure for mm-hmm. the revivification, which is why that scene another reason why that scene seems so fast uh but she's basing it on like oh he figured it out right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the other hand that's almost a side effect of her storytelling because the story itself is gothic and that leads us to our other post and i think these posts are almost intertwined uh because of that sean and i won't try to read the whole thing uh wrote an amazing summary of 
why when you're reading Frankenstein, it's almost impossible not to project our modern sensibilities and what it's come to mean to us now and be shocked at how fast that scene is. But this is a gothic novel. And Sean says, these days when we hear the word gothic, we think of all that stuff from the Adams family that's making fun of what gothic was. But gothic novels contain elements of what we now consider mystery and romance. The first gothic mm-hmm. novel was The Castle of Otranto in 1764. It was written by Horace Walpole, the son of the prime minister, as a fake translation of a medieval manuscript. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, there's a lot more in here from Sean, which is fantastic. But I responded in this thread. I was like, yeah. As I was reading Frankenstein, I was thinking, this is really a morality tale. And I'm seeing parallels to Dickens in here in her descriptions of the working class and the struggle of of sort of the upper uh, nobility, the noble class with the working class. And then Frankenstein being that underclass or Frankenstein's monster, I'm sorry, being that underclass. There I go, referring him in my modern sensibility Mm. as Frankenstein. but this is she was not trying to tell a science fiction story. I think that what that's what makes it so strong as a science fiction example, because the best science fiction stories aren't about the science. They're just using the science to tell a great story. Yeah, I thought this was pretty eye opening for me, too, because there was a lot about gothic fiction I did not know about. Um, and now I'm I'm, I'm pretty intrigued because it does seem, uh, you know, he goes into the discussion of the masculine versus feminine uh, versions of of gothic fiction, which are kind of divided between whether or not they follow um, uh, uh, M. G. Lewis or whether they follow uh, Radcliffe, um, and so this is that that is totally new to me as well. And and the the descriptions of how those two are kind of intertwined, but kind of follow different conventions uh, in in gothic fiction. So yeah, this was this was cool, and I can't wait to to talk about the the wrap up um, for for this book because I finished it a, a couple weeks ago, and I, yeah, Tom's laughing because that's how things have been going lately. Um, but it's, Did you finish Wrinkle in Time already too? And, no, I didn't. Though I should download that now. And the book I, I suggested for for February. Oh, uh, long done, long or, done. Or March, rather, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this was this was cool. I definitely did have that moment of like, wow, this is super different from I knew it was going to be different, but I don't think I realized I had never read it before. So I didn't know how different it really was from the the, you know, modern interpretation of, of Frankenstein and someone else in the forums. And I'm sorry, I didn't copy the link down, but there was a thread that showed like the old Far Side comic. And there was an XKCD comic about like making Frankenstein's monster named Frankenstein and and making it canon because it was in XKCD and that now it's canonical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of I mean, we all have our our opinions about about, you know, I guess it's not opinions. I guess we all just have thoughts in our mind about what Frankenstein looks like, Frankenstein's monster looks like, and and how it all came to be. So, Well, the Boris Karloff movie Mm -hmm. really reset the template, and that's what most people think of when they think of Frankenstein, because the Addams Family, the cartoons, the monsters, all of that really took their cues from from the movie, from the Mm -hmm. Boris Karloff Mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And so all of that is around the monster and him being driven away by villagers and having bolts in the side of his head and all of that. None of which is in the book. Uh, I mean, I guess he is driven away by villagers at one point uh, because he tries to go into town and they're like, ah, you, you're a freak, but it is more about appearances and, 
and whether someone is acceptable and can we look past what they look like and what they appear to be and see into their heart because the monster who never gets a name really is someone looking for meaning like any other human being and prevented in the most hostile way from finding it and of course and we'll save the rest for the wrap-up but you know take some actions that are frankly unforgivable indeed yeah someone said like he's kind of the hero of the story but he doesn't feel like the hero he's definitely (sighs) yeah it it was pretty intense there was some you're like wow okay that's that's you know human and yet deeply inhuman at the same time that you have to have to kind of confront well, I think there's some not, not to not to verge too much on the wrap up. And again, we'll be wrapping up and kicking off. It's one of those days where we close mm-hmm. at the end of the month like that. Uh, so so we we probably will have a shorter wrap up. So I think it's OK to cross over a tiny bit here, especially because everybody knows the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there's something about him representing everything that's not perfect about humanity. Right. And in this time period, there was this feeling of like. Because of the Renaissance and because of romanticism, there was this feeling that, oh, humans can be perfect, right? Voltaire wrote about, you know, in this best of all possible worlds. And I I think we look back at it as, as a darker time because it doesn't have the technology we have and it doesn't have the cleanliness we have for everyone. And, and the wealth we have, honestly, for even the poorest people now are wealthier than many people who, who lived as middle class in the time that Mary Shelley was writing this. But at the time, there was this feeling of we've we've done it. We've solved the world. And yet you had psychopaths, you had murderers, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. had unclean people, you had mentally ill. Like you had these 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 all of these kinds of people that were sort of just denied what, that they exist. And and I think the monster represents that in Shelley. Yeah, that's really that's a good, good explanation. I like that. Thanks. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Of course, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. So thank you to all the folks who back us. And if you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Ah, but you don't have to stop there. You like books, right? Mm, Otherwise, mm -hmm. why? I mean, if you don't like books and you're listening, I guess thanks a lot because we must be really entertaining. Uh, But we're assuming most of you like books and you can buy them through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites in essentially the Sword and Laser bookshop at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And I think you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. It's been a while. I should check in on that and make sure that number still works. I hope it does. I'm Call sure leave it us a voicemail. I'm sure it does. Or record us a voice memo on your phone or whatever. It takes all, takes all kinds. Hmm? Takes all kinds. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!